Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about the importance of soft skill training with our teams. Because, yeah, let's talk about that. Is that vanilla or chocolate um, soft? I prefer the swirl. And if they can swirl it right, then you've got a really high-functioning team. We're not talking ice cream? No, we are. Oh, Didn't we change the name of the podcast? To really good ice cream? Disarming ice cream? <laughs> no, I'm talking about soft skills, not soft serve. Oh, my, my bad. Like communication and emotional intelligence and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Why do, why do they call it soft skill? I don't know, because they're some they're, of the hardest skills to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's soft skills because you can't objectively, easily measure them. Right. Right. Kind of like a soft deadline. It's squishy. Right. These skills are kind of squishy. There's. It's hard to tell when you got them right. Um, Actually, it's easy to tell when you got them right, but it's not as easy to measure, like learning a new computer system or you know being able to hammer a nail hammer a nail right e- either you can hit the nail or you can hit your thumb I, I having just moved and being in the middle of hanging all kinds of pictures my thumbs are are very appreciative of that thumb yeah uh, ho- hopefully appreciative from afar not up close yeah well fortunately you're right because i'm using a s- screwdriver because i got an electric screwdriver but that's a hard skill Let's talk soft skills training with our teams. Why do you think it's important? Well, I mean, soft skills are those, and I, I use the term nebulous because they are really kind of hard to describe, but those nebulous skills that make a world of difference. Have you ever, have you ever, for example, let's just take retail and you've gone to talk to a clerk, you're looking for an item and they just are curt and short and they're not very helpful and you kind of get the impression like they really don't want your business, but they can fold the clothing, let's say it's a clothing store, and make it look perfect and ring you up on the register as accurately as anybody, right? So they have the hard skills, but you don't want to shop there anymore. Right. Or tell you what aisle it's in at Target. That always impresses me. Uh, they know how to do the job, but without the people skills, people, clients and customers don't want to go there. Yeah. So, okay, so so we're talking about soft skills and why they are important. Trying to figure out where to take this podcast. Well, it's as leaders and, and, and we need to appreciate the importance of training our teams, the soft skills that we need to have, that we need them to have. Especially when you've got newer people to the workforce, that you've got, um, you know, people who aren't doing what you need to. We talk a lot about being a great role model, 
Um, and a lot of that isn't saying, you know, punitively you're doing something wrong, but it's saying you're not doing something right. Let me, I don't think you understand what we're trying to do. Let's train it. Because I so often hear people say they should know. They should know. Well, they don't. And I think it's really important for leaders to be able to stop and say, let's learn how to do this, how to communicate with each other so that we can persuade each other of our new ideas, so that we can make clients feel like they belong here and want to come back. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, this is now two weeks in a row where we've, we've had a theme here, which is managers thinking they should know something. Mm, Last mm. week it was, you know, they should know their purpose. They should know how they fit into the big picture. I shouldn't have to tell them that. Now it's, they should know how to talk to customers or how to keep their emotions in check or how to communicate clearly or, right? And there, there's, I mean, there's hundreds of soft skills. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and it goes back to that humility that we talk about. That's so important for leaders to be able to say, when I find myself saying they should X, Y, Z, I need to close the window, look in the mirror and say, what am I doing that isn't helping them understand what they, what I need them to do for us to be the successful? Yeah. I, I, um, sorry, I got a little distracted here, but you're absolutely right. Now, I think it starts in hiring people who have the soft skills you're looking for, or at least most of them. Yeah, and, and that's a big one. I can, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, jump in. Well, I was going to say, I can teach people how to use our computer systems. I can teach people, you know, about our industry. It's harder to teach the soft skills. So if I am looking for those soft skills that are going to serve them in that role the best from the very beginning in the interview, I have a much better chance. Right. And in fact, there are, and it's different for everybody, but there are soft skills that you can't teach. People are resistant to learning. So mm -hmm. it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I do assessments as part of my practice and we have assessments for soft skills. So we can see how people stand versus stack up versus uh, the national average and, you know, the mean and, and all of that. And they did some studies. So the organization I use that that um, provides me the service, they do. They have some uh, neurologists as part of their team, and they done studies to show how people react emotionally to various soft skills. And so the ones that people are ten generally are really good at are ones that they have positive emotional reactions to. The ones that they are neutral about, or not so good at, in the middle, they actually tend to have negative emotional reactions to. And then the ones they are terrible at, they kind of have no reaction to emotionally. They, 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 they've done this with EE, uh, EK, EEGs, I guess they are. And what they've come to find is those soft skills where people actually have negative reactions, they're really hard to teach them how to do that. So if you have a negative reaction to customer service, I'm probably never going to teach you how to be a really good customer service or empathy. You know, it's another soft skill, empathy, right? How do you, how, you know, how do you teach empathy? Well, you know, those are the people who maybe aren't very empathetic, but they're the ones like, 
I can see why you would feel that way. Here's what I could do with you. And you're just going like, oh, my God, you have no clue how I'm feeling, right? Because they have that, you know, I'm saying the words I was taught to say. And, and you know, I love that you bring this up because this is the difference. And and it's that that innate reaction to it. This is the difference between, with all these soft skills, a tactic and actually having the soft skill, right? Because you can teach me, okay, and when you're trying to show empathy, say, I appreciate where you are coming from. But if I don't actually believe in it and feel it and understand why we're doing it and have that dis- desire to take on that soft skill, it's going to be a tactic. Yeah, you nailed it. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is there are, you can teach somebody a tactic and they can learn it and inculcate it and incorporate it into who they are. But there's, and it's different for everybody. There are skills and we all have different ones that we're never going to really do anything other than a tactic because we just don't care about them emotionally. And if we don't care about them, we're not going to do them. Every, every decision we make is an emotional decision. And so how we react is an emotional reaction. And if we're not, if we're feeling negative about, you know, diplomacy, I'm going to be a terrible diplomat. So it sounds like you're saying that one of the keys, like that the tactics may be, you know, it's important when we talk about soft skills training to give them those tactics, but starting with a baseline in a, in somebody who works in a particular role, who needs a particular skill, starting with a baseline desire to learn that skill or a positive reaction to it is vitally important. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or at least not a negative reaction. They can be neutral about it, but they can't be negative because if you're negative about it, you're never going to learn it, right? So if you're at least neutral, you know, maybe I haven't been mm-hmm. exposed to it too much, right? So, uh, oh, you know, um, so I haven't been exposed to it too much. Maybe let, let's take negotiation. Negotiation is a great soft skill to have. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Right? But I grew up in a household. I'm not saying me, but hypothetically, I grew up in a household where there was no negotiation. You know, I... It was it was it was authoritarian. It was mom and dad's way, or dad's way, or mom's way, or whatever whatever that looked like. You know, older brother's way with the big fist and the mallet and the you know whatever. However, sorry, uh, personal problem there. You know, <laughs> A mallet. I don't know where that came from, as far as you know. Um, <laughs> sorry, I have a mental picture of your brother running around with a mallet like. Uh, Yes, and and I'm like a cartoon character being hammered into the ground like a spike. So, uh, actually, I'm going to share a true story. It's completely off topic, but, well, no, it it isn't. Actually, it isn't, now that I think about it. So, I went to first grade in lieu of kindergarten for a brief period of time. Sounds impressive, except for, trust me, there's a huge difference between five and six, as in, like, um, 16% of your life missing or 20% if you're five, right? They're, they have 20% more experience than you, the six-year-olds. That's all, that's huge. So I remember sitting in class and constantly getting in trouble. I don't know what I was in trouble for. And I, to, I seriously don't know. What I remember is being yelled at for smiling. I remember my teacher just yelling, David, stop that smiling. Right. Uh, the look in your face was the look in my mind. I, I remember yeah, right. Like what? I remember walking up to class and being pulled out by like a principal or vice principal or something like that and just being sat on a bench for and not having any clue why 
which folks is a whole nother conversation on accountability. If people don't know why they're being singled out, you're not doing anybody any good. Another podcast. At one day I, I got so ticked off. Um, I'm like, I can't remember what the teacher said, but I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to bring in a giant hammer. I'm going to hammer you into the ground and in my mind. And I can picture this today to this. I mean, I'm 61 years old. That's a cartoon hammer and I'm hammering the teacher into the ground like a spike. And, and she says to me, you do that. You're going to go down to the principal's office. And I go, you're not going to be able to send me down. You'll be stuck in the ground. <laughs> I think it was shortly after that, that I was uh, pulled out of first grade and put back into kindergarten or put into kindergarten where I belonged. So let's put him in kindergarten because they didn't want to deal with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it was my mom finally, like, I, I have no idea how this came about because it wasn't something I wanted to do. I think it was yeah. like they, they, they tested me, you know, oh, he could be in first grade. And, you know, my mom was uh, probably 25 years old at the time and did what every 25-year-old in the face of authority. Oh, okay, if that's what you think is best. You're the teacher. You're the pro. You know, and eventually she went like, no, this is not working out. <laughs> but uh, I, I digress. So my, my, my point being, now that we've talked about mallets, um, that it starts with hiring the right, you know, um, good to great um, author. Help me out. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, James, I, um, under, under normal circumstances, I would have it right behind me on the bookshelf. Yep. At any rate, you know, he said, put the right people in the right seats on the bus. Hiring people with the right propensity for the skill set that you need. They may not have all the soft skills, but at least most of them, and who aren't opposed, you know, they're not set up so they can learn the ones they need. That's putting the right people in the right seat in the bus. And you do that with assessments. It starts there. You can't teach somebody something they don't want to learn or adverse to learning. Yeah. Well, and I and I love that is is because so often we look at the most impressive resume, the person who has the hard skills to do the job, but really finding the people who have at least, like you said, the propensity in the interview process. But I think that starts with understanding what soft skills are important for each job? Absolutely. You know, the benchmarking I go through with clients, I'm sure you do something similar. That's exactly what we do is we create it. And, you know, I, I describe it as like create, if you were building an Android, what skills would you put in there? What behaviors would they need? What, what, what should drive them? Right. Right. What are motivators? Because every job fulfills, requires different behavioral sets, requires different motivators. And then what soft skills do you need for that job? Right. And that clarity gets you so that you know what you're looking for. So do you give this assessment in the interview? Yeah, there's a couple ways you could do it. I kind of like to narrow it down to, you know, say five candidates because I mean, you could eliminate a lot of people. Assessments cost people money to buy. So if you're not a big company, if you're a big company, you don't care. It's 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 a minuscule part of your budget. You know, like for armor, Under Armour, I'm sure it's a small part of their budget to do assessments for everybody. I remember once uh, I didn't get hired, but I was interviewing uh, with one of the uh, used car companies. And, you know, the first thing they had me do is some computer assessment, you know, because that would tell them whether they even wanted to bother with an interview. Right. So when you get hundreds of candidates for 10 jobs, maybe that's a good way of doing it. On the other hand, you know, if you have tens of candidates for like one or two jobs, you know, then maybe you 
thin the herd out first, depending on the size of your company, and then give the assessment. So where you do it in the interview process isn't as important that as that you do it. And, cool. Yeah. And then what we do is, you know, we have the stakeholders, the people who interact on a daily basis with them, sort of create what does the ideal person, and it could be somebody who's doing that job already, but as a group, create this template, this benchmark template, What and they take the assessment as if, and it's a slightly different assessment, but they, they take it as if they're sitting in that role, and that creates the standards, and then everyone else gets weighed against that. And you either know where people are weak, and then, you you know, can I can they be shored up or can I somehow help them some other way? Or or maybe, yeah, they look, they're one of those look great on high on, on paper, but not so much in real life. So from this assessment, what are you finding are the key soft skills in general? Well, so, I mean, the, the, the ones that are required are different for every job. But I mean, here's here's sort of a short list. So. Maybe just appreciating others. That's a soft skill, right? The ability to say, hey, man, thank you for cleaning up my workspace for me when I was, whatever it might be. We're just understanding others. That's another soft skill, right? That empathy piece, we talked about it. The the coaching, coaching is a soft skill. Uh, working in a team, teamwork, right? Some some people are not cut out to work in a team and it's they're not bad. They're just different. It's just a right, different environment. Uh, interpersonal skills, how we how we relate to other conflict management, are they customer folks? Can they can they think about the future? Are they 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 thinking ahead? Are they leadership? Leadership's a perfect example of soft skills. Even at the front line, absolutely. Right. Well, remember, right, and you know this. Just leadership doesn't mean you're in a position of leader. Uh, right. It doesn't mean you're you're a positional leader. Right? Anybody can be a leader, and we've all worked with that person who doesn't have the title, but you know, if, if I got this guy on my side, everyone's going to fall in line. That's your leader, mm-hmm. right? Uh, project management, are they self-starters? Flexibility, right? And I don't mean physical flexibility. That's that's a hard skill. You can measure that. But, but you know, <laughs> but their ability to, to change gears quickly, you know, uh, are they goal-oriented, negotiation, accountability, organizing. These are just some of them. Time management, prioritization, diplomacy. I could go on, but these are some ideas of what soft skills are. Uh, and you know, if if you're looking for somebody who um, is a technician, right? Well, are they a service technician or are they like building something? Because a service technician probably needs to be good at problem solver. Somebody who's building something, but they're not in QA, probably doesn't need to have that as much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really nailing down in this role. And and if you're having a hard time gaining that clarity, it's good to take a look at the people who are really good at the role or who used to be in the role that were really good and say, okay, why were they better than anybody else? What skills, soft skills did they have? And how can I make sure that I'm looking for that or at least that desire? Well, you know, this actually person. comes back to our, I think our last podcast, where we talked about being tied to the big picture, right? Because if you understand the role that position plays in the big picture, then mm-hmm. the soft skill requirements become that much easier to, to define. Yeah. Yeah. Because autonomy and innovation may be a lot more important in certain jobs versus teamwork and empathy 
maybe those aren't important. Like if you're driving, driving a truck by yourself across the country and having to transport stuff, you're not going to need the teamwork as much necessarily. But the innovation, the problem solving, the taking initiative are going to be a lot more important. Yeah. If you know, it's funny, you said you said um, creativity, innovation and teamwork. And, and I actually love the juxtaposition of those. While certainly there are teams that need to be creative and innovative, there are also individuals who need to be creative and innovative in positions where they're not part of a team, right? They're coming up with concepts. They're not going to implement them, right? They, they're just coming up with the ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's up to a different team to implement. Right. And these days, with a lot of roles now being virtual, a different set of skills is necessary if you have, you know, used to have people in in the office and now they're all, you know, they're remote. So it's also good to reassess as the industry changes, as the workforce changes, as the workplace changes to say, okay, what do they need now? Because it might be different. And it may not be different. Well, it's different skills, but it may be more like different tactics for sure. the skill, right? In other words, somebody can be, um, you know, really good with, uh, uh, Inter their interpersonal skills, for example, in the office, but all of a sudden they're in a two-dimensional world of, you know, video uh, conferencing and, you know, the, the things that they did that made them really good, maybe it's the soft, and I know this could be like yellow light material for those of you who work in that environment, but, you know, the soft shoulder touch, right, or, you know, those sort of things that actually make connections, right, they, they help people connect, all of a sudden you, that person's at a loss because, you know, how do I... Uh, you know, you feel just like your shoulders, just like my computer screen. You don't, you know, you don't get that. So then we get, give them the tactics. How do we, what do we replace that with so that we can still make that connection two-dimensionally? Right, right. Or how do we find people that are going to feel like they still belong on the team without that, you know, that type of connectivity, people who are going to still be motivated and connected without needing that in-person connection? Yeah, there's no one right answer here. Right. Definitely something to look at when things, and, and this is especially important when things aren't going well, right? To say, okay, what do I need from these people that I'm not getting in order to achieve that larger objective? And how do I make sure they get it or they get into a role where their strengths are being taken advantage of? Well, I actually have a slightly different perspective on that. I don't disagree that it's very important when things aren't going well. I actually think it's more important when things are going well. And the reason for that is if you can nail this when things are going well, the odds on things not going well greatly diminish. The trouble is we tend to coast when things mm -hmm. are going Everything's working good. I don't need to I don't want to I don't want to touch it. I want to mess with it, right? But it's going well because there's a lot of factors involved that may have nothing to do with the way your team's operating, right? You know, in boom times of economic times, right? Everybody, everybody's doing well. And so you think I'm doing well. But then when the when things turn south, like they have recently for a lot of sectors in, in the marketplace, um, those companies that are really structurally not sound, they start to fall apart. So I would say whether it's going well or not, look at this stuff and, and shore it up now. And you'll, you'll either continue to ride the wave when things turn south or it won't be as high a wave. Yeah. And, and that's an excellent point about being when you are, when things are going well, making sure you understand what are we doing now that's making it 
go this well so that we're continuing to do it intentionally. We're continuing to build upon it rather than, like you said, hey, it's easy street. We're good. Yeah. Like one of the things that I think we do well is we we keep these a fairly short, pithy and concise podcast. So I think this is probably a good time to, to end it. What do you think? The pith has been reached. Yes. We, we, we're in a pith of development. So folks, if you, if you like what you hear, I just made that. I have no idea what pith is. I, I you, don't know what that meant. I just was going to leave it alone. Yeah. If you like what you hear, go ahead, get, uh, hit the subscribe button and uh, join us every week. Uh, if you have questions or something you'd like to see us answer, just put it in a comment or, or send connect with us. Uh, our, our web pages, our respective web pages are on the show notes. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. See you next time. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Disarm them.